Hello and welcome into the Next Gen Podcast here on the Bluff City Media Podcast Network. As always, I'm your host, Bryson Wright, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Winton. And you know, this is definitely a Grizzlies podcast, and we've got a lot of Grizzly stuff to get to. But when something as big as what happened today as we're recording this yesterday for the people that are watching this on YouTube, when a trade like Damian Lillard going to the Milwaukee Bucks happens... That has to be how you start the pod. And so let's just go ahead and start by giving everybody what happened. So the Bucks are getting Damian Lillard. The Trailblazers are getting Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tomani Kamara, and some and some picks. And then the Suns are getting Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. So like everybody, we got to start with the Bucks. And I just got to say, if there was any team that as a basketball fan you would want to see Dame go to. I think the Bucks were pretty high on the list. Now, it was one of those things where I didn't think that they were going to be able to actually get him. But if you go back even a couple years ago, there's clips of Dame saying if there's anybody that he'd want to play with, it would be it would be Giannis. And, I mean, it just makes so much sense. I mean, you've got the huge interior threat that's incredible on defense and then a dude on the other end who just can shoot from 40 feet. And it's like just those two together. It's the same way when Giannis and Steph were playing in the All-Star game. People started talking about, oh, does she go to the Warriors? Like all that. If you have Giannis with a dude that's that good on the perimeter, it's just insane, like what you can do on offense. And then I feel like the Bucks didn't, like obviously losing Drew Holiday, that's a big loss, especially for their culture, right? I don't think that's like, Drew Holiday is a guy that's loved in the locker room and stuff like that. But Basketball-wise, obviously he's a better defender, but I feel like Dame is going to make up for that with his increased shooting because there were games where Drew Holiday, in the playoffs, where he was just inefficient on good open shots that he was getting off of Giannis' play. And it's like, if Dame is shooting those shots, he's not going to be as inconsistent, especially from three-point range. And I do think that wherever Drew Holiday does go, because he's not playing with the Trailblazers, if he's out there, I think he's going to make a big impact for a team. But when you have the chance to get Damian Lillard, I don't think you think twice about it, as good of a player as Drew Holiday still is. So, I mean, I think for the Bucks, if you have a chance to put Giannis and Dame together, possibly the best duo in the NBA, I'd probably say, I'm, I don't know. I, but they haven't played together, but theoretically they'd be the best duo in the NBA. And it's the first time ever where two players that average 30 points to pass season are now going to be on the same team. So that so from a scoring standpoint, like they they're probably going to average the most points by any duo this year. Now, if they're the best, I don't know. I'm still giving it to Murray and Jokic right now because they did just win the finals and we haven't seen them play yet. But Dame and Giannis definitely if it works out, which I mean, I feel like it will. If it works out, they'd be the best duo in the league. Yeah, first off, I just want to say I got to get the Bucks credit because not Dame. Giannis was saying this whole summer, not whole summer, but there were interviews where he's like, if we're not focused on winning and if, you know, but, you know, we're not seeing eye to eye with the organization, then I'll go somewhere else. And the Bucks heard that and they said, we're not going to let that happen. And I and I fully respect it because when you got a guy like Giannis, top three player in the league, or yeah, top three player in the league, arguably the best if you want to. I mean, obviously Jokic is right now, but Giannis was in that discussion or is in that discussion. You do, especially after you want a chip, you do what you can to keep him there. So they 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 heard that and they were like, we're not gonna let this happen. 
So, like, I saw this before I got to work. I was really shocked. I did not expect this at all. This is like left field. Like, because there was reports about Dame going to Miami and maybe even Toronto the last couple of days. But there was nothing about the Milwaukee Bucks. Not, nothing. I mean, nothing. But once I heard it, saw the details, it made sense. Like you said, um, you know, I think even Dame, I think, said something about wanting to play with Giannis or Gian, or not Giannis. Giannis once said, said he wanted to play with Dame, too. So, like, they both mutually wanted to say they want to play with each other. Like, they're, you know, they're their favorite player or whatever. So, you know, I think that's really cool. Um, but, yeah, that team is going to be kind of, like, scary. Like, I ain't going to lie to you. Like, them in the pick and roll is kind of like a, a thing that I keep thinking about to myself. I'm like, how do you guard that? Uh, especially if with a new coach that's probably going to run more modern concepts. Like, I just think that's going to be kind of a thing where it's like, well, you know, like, it's just going to be tough. Because basically they're saying, hey, we're going to sacrifice some of our defense and be better offensively. That's basically what they, they said because they're losing Drew. Like you said, for the culture, you know, it's going to hurt. But their defense point of attack is going to be kind of iffy at times. But I think they're saying our rim protection is more valuable than our point of attack, which in most cases that's usually where you 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 would want anyway. you much rather have more rim protectors than you would uh, on-ball defenders. Not saying you don't need them, but you, you, they got Giannis mm-hmm. and Brooke. So, you know, they got two guys that have been – defense you know defensive player of the year candidate so they'll be fine but yeah that that's a good trade for them um yeah i, I mean that's just that's just gonna be a scary team it's crazy no and like the same way I, it kind of was a little bit out of left field because everybody knew that dame wanted to go to miami and there was a lot of stuff about is he gonna go to miami and all that but for me it just felt like if that was gonna happen it would have happened already so i yeah. was starting to think that we might get like a holdout situation like as like Training camp starts, like, next week, basically. So I'm like, we were getting to the point to where it's like he either has to be traded or we're going to have a holdout situation. And the Heat were not willing to give up more than they made in their official offer. There have been reports that, you know, Pat Riley didn't even go back to him after the initial offer, and they said no. He was like, okay. And he was just going to wait because he thought that no other team would trade for Dame because he knew Dame wanted to go to Miami. But I think the thing is, is Dame wanted to go to Miami first. But Dame also wants to win. That's the number one thing that Dame wants to do is win. And I think that even if you look compared to Miami, Milwaukee might be a better, like, it might be a better fit for him overall. Oh, it is. is. Yeah, like, I think it's a better fit for him overall. Now, I think he would have been really good with Miami, too. Both teams he would have gone on would have been championship contenders. But that's the thing. I mean, he's going to be in a better situation than he was. And then going back, because I know you mentioned Giannis also wanted to play with Dame. I saw a clip earlier today that uh, Rob Perez posted from the All-Star game. And if you go back to the All-Star game, you know, Giannis, he's always big on loyalty, teammates, all of this. Drew Holiday was somebody he could have picked first. And he picked Damian Lillard as his first pick when it was the All-Star Reserves. And I was like, okay. And even and even LeBron noted that. And he was like, oh, I, okay. And he was like, I wasn't familiar with this side of Giannis. And it's one of those things where, not, not to say that him and Drew Holiday are going to have beef or something. It's, you know, it's it's basketball. But at some point, like, when you have, once you've won that championship, and then you see, like, all the stuff that's happening around the league and all these other moves that people are making, it's not surprising to me that he was, like, he was able to say, because you know, you know the front office talked. That was the first person they talked to when they thought about making this trade was, do you want Dame? And Giannis, as a guy that wants to win, I'm sure that he's still cool with Drew Holiday. But it's like, hey, look, as good of a player as Drew Holiday is, 
If you have a chance to get Damian Lillard, like I said earlier, you do it every time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's gonna be crazy. I did kind of want to talk about the other teams just because the other teams are in the West too, on what the Suns got and what the Trailblazers got. Not really the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers, I will mention a little bit just because they are within the Grizzlies thing for the in-season tournament. So the only thing I'll really say that that affects the Grizzlies is that'll make the Trailblazers games a little bit easier <laughs> because they don't have to play against Dame. Like, that's about it. Uh, now, I still think they got a lot of good players. I mean, they're going to have Scoot Henderson. They're going to have Anthony Simons, who has taken over CJ McCollum's role of Grizzly killer on the Trailblazers. So they, they – and then we'll see what happens with Aiton, but – they're not going to have a uh, Drew Holiday. You know, Drew Holiday is not going to stay there. You know, they said they're going to trade him. But I think for the Trailblazers, I mean, they're definitely going to be tanking. But I think it'll just make it a little bit easier for Grizzlies ever match up with them, obviously. But for the Suns, I, I feel like a lot of people have been down on this deal for the Suns, which I understand one part of it because I think defensively, Nurkic is definitely worse than Aiton. But to me, I feel like the Aiton relationship had gotten so bad, especially near the end of last season and going into that playoff run, that even without Monty Williams on the team anymore as the coach, I do. I kind of felt like they had to move on from him because it's one of those things where having him on the team might actually be more of a detriment than trading him for somebody who might not be necessarily as good. Like I would still say Aiton is probably a better player than Nurkic overall, but I think when you add in the fact that they also get, you know, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, which these aren't like really good players, like they're not, but they're role players that can fill spots. And I feel like the Suns still did need some of that. So it's kind of just like, they kind of just filled out their roster. Like that's what it felt like to me. And I think the fact that they lost Aiton, Aiton was probably going to have to go anyway, if not this year, next year. Like I just felt like that relationship had gotten really bad, but I think that I think they came out okay. You know, I think they came out okay in this trade too. And maybe a little bit better, but I don't know if much better. I don't know. Yeah, the Blazers, I want to start with the Blazers. Because I've been very critical of the Blazers over the past probably three, four years. Just because I, I I'm not saying they're the same team, but I've seen what happened with the Grizzlies with the GN end of the great grind era, where you basically had something go on for too long and you miss your window, and you're just still trying to hold on to it, not knowing you really kind of need to rebuild. They've been doing that, in my opinion, with the Blazers. But, man, the la this last couple months, I got to give them credit. This is good work. Shout out to, uh, I think Mike Smith is over there now. Shout out to him. Shout out to, all Shout out to their whole front office. They're doing good work. For them to get Drew Holiday, even though he's not going to play, they're going to flip him for more assets. Get Aiton. Then not only get Aiton, they got a first-round pick from the Bucks. In 2029, which you know, who knows what that could be, and I think they got a 2030 picture. Like they got assets, like they, and then they got a young center that can play with their young core already with Scoot, um, Simons, and uh, Sharp. Like they got, like you know, and again, I'm not saying they're gonna be a good team. I think they're you know not gonna make the plan, but you can see what they're trying to build now. Like you get, like it, it makes a lot more sense. It's one of those teams life, where like two or three years now you could see them be like. Kind of like how the Thunder were a couple years ago when, like, after they made yeah. that trade for Paul George. Obviously, they're not, they didn't get that same level of Paul, but it's like you get a young guy like Shea in that deal that you can kind of build around. And this, it's not necessarily they're going to get DeAndre Ayton to build around, but they're adding him to the people they already want to build around. 
And I think exactly. that it's a team in like a couple years, they could have like they might be a playing team even next year. Like, I don't know, I don't think this upcoming season, but the season after that, like th- there's a chance that they could do something like that. Like, I they really remind me, I feel like they're gonna be kind of like on that thunder track. I don't think they have as many assets, obviously, as the Thunder had, but they have enough young players to kind of start on that trajectory, especially if Scoot Henderson turns out to be as good as I think he's going to be. So, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that they get like they didn't get better overall. Obviously, you lose Damian Lillard, but I think they got better for the future. So I think that's really what they're doing and they're rebuilding. Uh, But, yeah, just a crazy day. I feel like whenever this NBA, these big NBA news drops happen, it's always on the most random day you could think of. It's never when you're expecting it. it and I feel like that today was just one of those days because th- there was a there's a lot of traction, like you said, going to the Raptors, even so much so that Shams tweeted that Dame got traded to the Raptors. Like he actually tweeted that he got traded to the Raptors and had to delete it because apparently the Raptors did say that they would trade for Dame, but Dame said that he didn't want to play for the Raptors and that he would probably just sit out, so he didn't make it. But, like, literally, the Raptors almost made the trade. Like, it, so it was kind of out of left field. It kind of reminds me kind of what happened with the Marcus Smart deal, where you hear another deal is supposed to happen, it falls through, and then quickly another team hops in and it's like, oh, okay, well, we, we can be a part of this. That's what it kind of reminded me of. Yeah, I, I man, I just can't. It's crazy. Also for the Suns, they got like you said they got a little bit of depth, but I do believe the Suns are higher on use of Nurkic than I am, and a lot of other people are. So we'll see how it works. Not saying Nurkic is bad, but I'm gonna have to see how that develops for them. Because now, granted, they can fix this; they can still make more moves during the trade deadline. But I just, I, I mean, we'll see. I think they're still good. Obviously, they still got like Kevin Durant and Devin Booker and Bradley, but. Yusuf, Yusuf Nurkic is the, the main trade piece, then I, I got questions. I, I got to see the vision. That's all I'm going to say. I got to see the vision. But I still think they'll be good. They'll be a playoff team, like, of course. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this is a crazy day. I did not expect none of this. I mean, I expected some of this to come up eventually. But Dame to the Bucks, nah. I didn't have that on my bingo my, my bingo card. Like, I, that. <laughs> I don't think that was, that, was not there. that was just not there. So, yeah. But, yeah, moving on to, like, some actual Grizzly stuff now that we got that part out of the way. There was an interview with Taylor Jenkins on NBA.com that had a lot of cool stuff that if you haven't read, I would read through it. We're not going to go, obviously, question by question and tell you exactly what his answers were. But there is a Q&A on NBA.com where uh, they sat down with Taylor Jenkins and just got to talk to him a little bit about everything that happened, like, going into the season, some of the stuff that they – you know, some of the stuff that people were worried about. And, like, starting with, you know, obviously the Grizzlies missing Dylan Brooks and Ty Jones to start the season, lingering injuries and stuff like that. I think that was the biggest thing for me that he kind of started with that. Uh, and he continues to be extremely excited to have Marcus Smart on the team. Like, that was the thing that really jumped out to me in this interview is that Taylor Jenkins is so psyched to have Marcus Smart. As much as he did say they're going to miss Dylan and Tyus, and, you know, Smart is basically going to be having to take over both of their roles. But I feel like Taylor Jenkins, like, he talked about how he they feel like he's going to be a day one leader. Even though it's not something they're going to even force on, they just feel like that's something that through training, training camp, because of the type of guy Marcus Smart is, he's just naturally going to emerge as a leader. 
And we can also see that he has been doing that, reaching out to the players and stuff on the team. Uh, I know, Alex, you wanted to talk about this too, the interaction between Jalen Brown and Jaron Jackson Jr. the other day because Jalen Brown had tweeted some or had put put something on Instagram with him and Marcus Smart. It was like, my brother forever. And then Jaron was like, that's my brother now. And then it was like Jalen Brown had said, he don't even like y'all. And then everybody was freaking out about that. And then so the Grizzlies had to go and post a picture of Marcus Smart and Jaron Jackson Jr. like on FaceTime together. But like, I feel like, obviously I feel like there is some animosity from Marcus Smart towards the Celtics. And it's not necessarily that he wanted to leave the Celtics, but I feel like he's the type of dude that when he gets on the team, he's just going to fit in naturally. And that's really what Taylor Jenkins said. He felt like he was going to fit naturally as a leader and as a player and what he like, not just what he can do on the court, but also what he can do off the court and adding more experience, somebody who's been to the finals and the conference finals, which is something that the Grizzlies haven't had a ton of on this team so far. So I think that uh, I, I really like, I think that was the thing that really jumped off the page to me was just how excited he was to actually start training camp with Marcus Smart. I remember what, when Taylor, or not Taylor Jenkins, Marcus Smart got introduced to the Grizzlies in Las Vegas. And I saw, obviously you were there, but I saw them, uh, who was it? Uh, Zach Kleiman and Taylor Jenkins. They were smiling, ear, like grinning, smiling the whole time, happy. So I'm not surprised he said this, like, they love they they clearly wanted Mark Smart. Like they they love Mark Smart. Like this is so you know, I mean I think he's gonna love it here too. Um, you know, I, I mean I think the thing with Smart, uh, you know, I, I think again, he's just gonna help in a lot of different ways. But yeah, that Jaren stuff was pretty funny. Cause I mean all of them are cool, but it just reminded me that the season's close, just like today with the trade stuff. It just reminded me the season's almost here. Like we we're like we're like literally like a week away, two however long. It's not a long time. Like it's it's just right around the corner. So you know, I'm excited for all this because a lot of this, I'm not going to say it's going to come back, but like a lot of this is going to show on the court. So uh, especially when they match up against the Celtics and stuff like that, that's going to be fun. Smart's going to play with more energy. Obviously, they're going to play with more energy. And obviously Celtics will too just because, you know, both teams are probably one of the better – both teams are some of the better teams in the league. So, um, yeah, no, it's going to be fun. But, yeah, Smart, uh, you know, I think he's going to help in a lot of different ways. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really too surprised by uh, – Jenkins comments because you know I think he's going to expect him to be one of the leaders of this team even though not the main leader because I think that's going to be for like Bane, Jaren, and Ja like they've been said that but like for him to be one of the veteran guys to help the young guys not only the young guys you know younger guys that have an experience but even the top guys you know I just think he's just going to help in a lot of different ways so I'm, I mean I'm happy he's here for sure yeah definitely and then another thing that he talked about was like how does the end the last season kind of power this off season which that was one of the questions and i also like taylor jenkins answer to this because he talked about it being more of a cycle than anything of you know getting the players out of the mindset of you know when it's time for the regular season when it's time for the playoffs and the off season being separate things and looking at it as a cycle and it's like everything you do from you know, the game six loss to the regular season is, you know, preparing you for when you get back there. And, you know, I like that answer as well. And then another thing that I did want to uh, talk about is uh, the biggest question is like, what are they going to do about job being out? And obviously he didn't say exactly what they're going to do. He said that, you know, they've talked with the players about it and that they have talked to Zach Kleiman about it and stuff like that. But I think that the Grizzlies 
made a pretty big statement on what they're going to do today when they put the billboard up. And that is that Desmond Bain is going to be starting at the small forward position. Like that's, that's what's going to be happening. Uh, Now, whether that is going to be at the beginning of the season, not very sure what they're going to do at the very beginning of the season. But when John Morant comes back, Marcus Smart and Desmond Bain are both going to be in the starting lineup with him. I think that's pretty apparent. And I feel like his answers to these questions, even though he didn't come out right and say it, it, it's pretty obvious to me that that's what's going to happen. Unless somebody has like a crazy jump, like unless Zaire comes out and is averaging like 12, 13 points a game or something like that. Like that would be the only thing that I could see them maybe starting Zaire and bringing Smart off the bench or something. Like, and that would be in certain matchups. But I I still think that when John comes back from that suspension, it's definitely going to be Josh Smart Bain. Yeah, probably is. I saw that earlier. I was like, man. And again, y'all know how I feel. I, again, I, I like it. In spurts, I don't love it as a start lineup. But again, when you think about it, I, I've accepted it because, like you said, like they they love smart, so they didn't just bring smart. I mean, now again, like you said, Zaire or Jake have a big camp and that can change, right? Still could change, but promos and stuff they usually tell you who's going, you know, how they're how they're thinking. So <laughs> seeing that, I mean, you know, I thought to myself, that's instantly what I thought I was like, oh yeah, they're, they're gonna start them there. Which again, it could work again. Um, I'm not saying it's not going to work. Like I, I've been saying, when people think I say it's not going to work, I don't mean that like it's not, they're not going to win games. Like they're going to win like 50 games and be a top four seed. Like I've been said that. I've been consistent on that. It's just historically, you don't usually see teams that small on the wings win championships. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Not saying it's impossible, just saying the odds are against. But again, I will say this the Nuggets were an outlier team last year. They didn't have a top 10 defense. They still won the chip. So, and granted, they got Jokic, but. My point is, it's it's possible. It's not like I'm just doubting it all the way, but just again. But yeah, like they they love smart, bro. They that little promo stuff. Yeah, that kind of just told me everything I need to know. Now, granted, like you said, it could change, but I doubt it. I I I know what I'm expecting when Jaws back. I just know what I'm expecting. Like I know what starting lineup I'm going to probably see in December. Like I just already know. So yeah. No, and I get I get the worry about it just because you know Bane is like six five, maybe six six on a good day. But so, like, I get to worry about it. And in the past, that's something that hasn't worked a lot. I will say they've also never had a team that had two defensive players of the years on it. So, like, that dude that was starting at the three that was undersized, well, I guess starting at the two now, some games Market Smart is going to be guarding threes. Like, that's going to happen a lot, too. So I basically say even though Bain is going to be starting at the three, there's going to be some nights where he's starting at the two. Some it, it, I feel like it's really going to be back and forth based on matchups. You know what I mean? So I guess it's just really how you think about it. But when you have Marcus Smart, I think he does change a lot of that just because I feel like he can't he can guard guards and wings very well. So it's like when you have a guy like that, it changes the way that you can do everything else. And then when you have a guy like Jaron on the interior where you can funnel a lot of stuff to him as well, I think there are ways that the Grizzlies can scheme around it, and I think that they're going to be able to do it. I will say, like I, I like, especially like the regular season, I think they're going to be fine. It might be more difficult in the playoffs, especially if they end up playing a team like the Suns, because then it's going to get difficult on you know who's going to guard KD in that series because you'd want it to be 
you want it to be bang or you want it to be smart, most likely with what you have now. But it's like then who who you putting John, who you putting Bane on? Like there, there's stuff where it's like there are certain players that it's going to be difficult to match up against uh, on the wing, just regardless of who it is. But I still think that with the roster as it's constructed right now, I think that that gives them the best opportunity to win, even in the postseason too. Now it's not as easy as it maybe would be with a traditional like guy on the wing. But I think that with the way that the roster set up now, that's just what they're going to have to do. And they're going to have to hope that they can make it work when you add in the fact that you have, you know, two defense player of the years on the team. And I think they're going to lean on that a lot too. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of things like the roster says, that's what you have probably, probably going because it's going to be one of their better lineups. Like it's just, I've already, I know that I didn't say it was going to work. Not work because we saw last year with the Nuggets, like they went to Bruce Brown and KCP and Jamal Murray through guard, like that worked. But again, they did it in spurts versus started, so that's why you know. But it did work though. Like it wasn't like like that part of the reason why they wanted chip was because of that the, the smaller lineup. So you know, it's not impossible. Um, it's, yeah, it's not impossible, but yeah, it's um, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see how it, it unfolds, especially with job being out the first twenty five. Um, I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, I think that's really that like that's really going to make it harder to really evaluate it just because we're not going to get be able to see that until, you know, over a quarter of the way through the season. Whereas I feel like if they could come out open at night with it and then they'd have more time to gel a little bit, that would be better. But it's just crazy that we're not going to see the probable closing, the closing lineup for is that's going to be the closing lineup in a lot of games especially once you get to the postseason, like that's probably going to be the closing lineup for the Grizzlies when they make it that part of the year. And we're not going to be able to see that until at least December. So that's why it is a little, it's going to be a little bit weird. Uh, But I did want to move on to the one area that uh, Taylor Jenkins wanted the Grizzlies to take a big step in this year. And the things that he said was, you know, the X's and O's trying to figure out, the ways they can become more efficient on offense, more disciplined on defense. And then also he talked about the appreciation of what it takes to compete and win at the highest level. And honestly, I really liked it. That's what he said too, because I feel like there were sometimes last year, especially in the regular season where, you know, especially when you look at like the road record, I know that we talked about that. When you look at the road record, that shows that in those road games, they were like lackadaisical, weren't really taking it as seriously as probably they should have. That's just what it felt like watching the games. And I think that's something that Taylor Jenkins is probably pointing to, and I'm sure has talked about with the team this year. And the thing that he also said was not saying, okay, it's the playoffs, now we ramp up the intensity, but to try to have the same intensity whether it's, you know, preseason, regular season, playoffs. Now, obviously, once you get to the playoffs, it is, it's always going to be a little bit different. But to at least try, like, try not to overlook games and try to keep that same mindset and keep your mind on the end goal more than the Tuesday game against the Pistons that you're playing. You know what I mean? Just think about April and May and June. Like, that's what you need to be thinking about, even if it is only January. So I think that that's something – that's something else that I think Taylor Jenkins is going to be trying to put into the team. And I think that the X and O's things, I think, I think that's something that they're going to have to get better at too, just because when you look at the half court offense at times, it's just been really difficult, especially in the postseason. And I think some of that does come down to X's and O's. Some of it comes down to the plays you decide to run and stuff like that. 
But that's what he said. They're looking at how they can make, you know, just make the offense more efficient, especially when you get to the half-court offense and the playoff time when the defense obviously takes a whole nother step in the playoffs from the regular season as well. Yeah, um, I think that's a big thing, too. Again, just treating it like it's, um, you know, it's a, you know, you can't just overlook, especially being bad on the road last year. I think that's kind of a big thing that they have to do because, um, you know, you can't really just um, do that all the time. Like, again, like last year, that was a big thing. They overlooked teams and they really got, you know, it really ended up coming to bite them or back come back to bite them. So it's kind of like, you know, you really have to take those things serious. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm confident that I think, you know, they'll they'll figure it out because, again, they are a young group. So they do feel like they can just kind of walk into these games and win them at times. But um, I do think that, it, you know, that change will happen this year like there'll be more of a shift you'll see more of what they did when they won 56 games versus what they did last year so that's what i believe yeah i hope so like that, that that's all you can really hope going into the year is that it'll be more like that uh but yeah like i said the full interview is on nba.com and i think it came out like uh probably about a week ago now but it's it's going to be up all season so if you want to go look at that i can also add the link in the description to this video if you want to find it to find the full interview. Uh, but the last thing that we are going to talk about today is Ja Morant back out in the community and stuff like that. Kind of feels like this is kind of like the redemption arc time for Ja. And he's kind of tr- starting to, you know, especially with Nike and stuff like that, with the shoes and stuff dropping, they're c- kind of trying to like, not necessarily completely rebuild his image, but like that's kind of what it feels like. And I think one of the things that they're doing is starting to get him back out with the kids and stuff like that. And one of the things that he was doing was he was coaching um, at one of the camps in Memphis. And that's something that Ja did uh, over the last week. And I thought it was really cool. So we've got a video that we can show you guys and then we can talk about it after. I'm about to head over to the court and ball out with the kids. Let's go. Believe in yourself, you know, having confidence in yourself can be a lot of outside stuff that can distract you from your ultimate goal. Just stay locked in, tune it out, and stay true to yourself. I also got everybody else a pair of job ones and stuff over there. Everybody who was a part to make this possible, thank y'all as well. And shout out, shout out T. Morant, too, because T. Morant was in there dancing at the end of the video, too. But, uh, yeah, no, I just thought that was pretty cool. It's good to see that he can kind of go back out in the community and stuff like that without, you know, I feel like when all that, when all the stuff with the Instagram Live and all that first happened, it felt like there was kind of a cloud over everything. Now that we're like a couple months out of it, not to say that people forgot about it, but obviously, like, that's just kind of how the world is. After a couple months, people move on. So I think that's what it is. People have started to move on, and I feel like he can kind of start going back out and doing stuff that he was usually doing before that didn't get maybe as much, maybe didn't get as much kind of social interaction and stuff like that as it will now. But I th- I just think it's good that he can kind of try to put that behind him, and I think stuff like that uh, is something that is going to be really good for him just going forward. And then just kind of getting back to, like, 
you know, even giving advice to the kids based on what he's learned and stuff like that is good too. Because uh, he said that in the video talking about staying locked in, there's going to be a lot of stuff trying to distract you from your ultimate goal and stuff like that. So I think all of that is just good signs. And I think it's good going forward to see more of this side of Jai, especially when it does feel like the media has, like for good reason, has been on him a lot for the last couple months. So it's good to see like more good press coming out there and everything like that. Yeah, Nike has kind of been pushing Jada. I'm going to say pushing Jada, but like he's been making public appearances the last couple weeks because I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, this is like the second thing they posted about him. Well, not second thing posted, but second thing I've seen Nike related because if I'm not mistaken, he was at like an event like a week or two ago about it. So, or I think in New York or something like that. So like I think that's yeah, yeah, he was there in New yeah. York and they showed it was him and Dirk and a bunch of other people were there. Yeah, too. like Victor, yeah, all them. So yeah, so he was there, uh, had the Nike apparel on, then also in this one. So you know, and also he has a new shoe coming out, or I mean, same shoe, but you know, a different colorway and stuff like that. So you know, I think that's cool to see. I mean, that you know, like Nike, I, they're starting to ramp back up because even though he won't be playing the first twenty five. I mean, he'll still be like, you know, December will be here before you know it. So it's kind of like, you know, now it's kind of start, you know, especially basketball season's finna start. So they understand that, hey, he's got shoes to sit. Like they they understand. They understand the market. So, uh, but to see, you know, him surprise those kids is pretty cool. Um, you know, that's, again, this is press that you hope to see from Jai going forward, which I mean, I expect, you know, they're, they're not going to put anything bad out, obviously going forward, you know, they're, because they're trying to rebuild an image or rebrand, however you want to say it. Uh, they're going to be doing that for John Morant over the past or over the next few months or even year per se. So, so um, but yeah, no, it was cool to see him, you know, you know, be with the kids and do stuff like that. Because he, he it's kind of been again, he's been off the map. So it's like only people that really probably seen jobs, people that work with him every day, and you know, obviously some grizzly teammates, you know, because we saw Roddy and Gigi Jackson and those people, you know, those guys hoop together, but outside of that. Nobody's really seen Ja. Like, I mean, you and people that, you know, when he went on that vacation. But outside of that, like, it's been probably the same people he's seen, like, every day. Which, I mean, it's, you know, it's good he's out the way. But, you know, I think it is cool to see him do the camp. Because he has done a camp, like, every year. So it's kind of, you know, to see him. Yeah. Even though it wasn't the same camp, it was cool to see him do one for, you know, like a surprise camp for the kids. So, you know, I mean, it, it's it's cool to see Ja doing that. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, again, he'll be back before you know it. Um you know, I mean, and yeah, I mean, just it's cool. It's great. It's great to see. You know, Nike's going to keep pushing the shoes. Also, I need to get a new pair. I need to get a pair of dry ones. I just got to say that on pod. Yeah, I need a pair of dry ones. Especially you got to get one. Especially hey, nah, the new ones. So, no, nah, the new ones are nice. So the ones I got, I got the red ones. I thought they were pretty cool. Uh, they feel good. I played basketball in them too, and they feel good. But I, I thought that was the coolest part is all the kids are going to get a new pair of shoes. I thought that was pretty cool. I think that was, might have been my favorite part of the video is hearing that, too, especially because I'm pretty sure that was in Memphis, too. Uh, so it was good yeah, that it he's was. doing that, you know, yeah, in the Memphis community specifically. Because obviously it's still cool to give, you know, give out free stuff wherever you are. But I just think especially when it's in the community that you play in, I think it just means a little bit more, just like especially to the kids, because these are kids that they might come to the game in the job ones in a couple months like that. That might be like something that could happen. Like these are the kids that you might see, or you might go and talk to them at their school or something like that. There's a lot of stuff that could happen. So it's like, I think it's good to be in the community with the kids from where you're playing at. And I just think that's really cool. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, just shout out to Josh, shout out to the whole kind of, like you said, rebuilding his image and everything like that. 
kind of going into a new arc going into this year, trying to rehab and rebuild everything that kind of happened before all the stuff that happened uh, with the Instagram live and everything. So I just think that it's good for him to be getting back to this kind of stuff. And then like, like you said, he's at a camp every year, hasn't had to have a camp this year. And also I just feel like, like you said, they haven't seen a lot of job this entire summer, which like you said, is a good thing, but the past off seasons, We've been used to being able to track his offseason progress and like kind of stuff like that because he was playing in some of these runs and stuff that you would see on YouTube uh, where this year where you saw a lot of other guys. And I think the only Grizzlies player that was there was Josh Christopher. But it's like you see a lot of NBA players go to these runs. And he's a guy that usually had gone to those in the past and there have been videos of him there. But just the entire summer kind of took a step back. So it's good to kind of see him back out, like you said. Uh, but yeah, all in all, uh, I'm just happy that he can kind of get back to normal a little bit. And that's just going to be the biggest thing going into the season. Uh, one thing from the Coach Jenkins interview, they asked him if Jaws going to be able to use the facility while he's suspended. They said they do not know yet. They're still trying to figure that out. I would hope that he can be at least somewhat close to the team. I know usually with suspensions, you're not able to. But I feel like this is kind of a unique scenario. So, like, I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be any difference, but I feel like having him using the practice facility, maybe, I mean, probably not participating in training camp, obviously, but may, maybe just being allowed to be there would be good. Uh, but then again, I don't know the I don't know exactly what the NBA's rules are on suspensions. I know usually you're not allowed to do that, but like, so, but Taylor Jenkins said they've been talking about it. So we'll probably hear about that coming up soon. Yeah, that will be interesting because I think, um, you know, it would benefit them if he can use the facility just because, again, he's going to be there every day. They're going to see him, like, just from a, you know, a chemistry perspective, that will help. But obviously just from a standpoint of using team facilities is going to help him too because, you know, obviously it's different to use your own facilities that you have versus the team facility. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's going to be a question they're probably going to ask him next week because media day is, I think, October 2nd. So they're probably going to – somebody's going to – again, it's going to be – he's not going to be – No, see, be that was my thing is I'm like, can he even – can he participate in media day? Like, I assume he can, but like – Yeah, I don't think he, I don't think he's going to be – yeah. I don't think he's going to be there. I would be surprised. That's what I'm saying. There. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't think he's going to be there. But I don't I, I don't know what all the rules are on that. So that's, that's probably what they're talking yeah. with the NBA about now. Yeah, like it's kind of murky. So – but, I mean, again, either way, even if he ain't there, they're going to talk about it. Like, it's going to be talked about. Like, then I'm like, how do you navigate the job? Like, I already know. You know, and obviously we'll be here to talk about it because that won't be the only thing they'll talk about. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. They, we'll probably get an answer next week. They'll, they'll I hope, if somebody asks that question, because that is an interesting question. Because, again, it's like the that's like the little stuff. Like you said, it's a unique situation. Usually team, people are away from the facility and stuff like that. But this is more of a unique kind of situation. So that little intricacy right there is kind of going to be – uh, you know, interesting to see how it rolls out. Because, again, it, I don't think it's going to be too big of a difference, but it's just it's something interesting to watch. You know what I mean? So, yeah. But, yeah, like we said, so Media Day is going to be coming up next week on October 2nd. So far, next episode, we're going to be bringing you everything that we can talk about in however long it takes on Grizzlies Media Day. Uh, just going to have a full Media Day episode, talk about everything that they talked about going into the season going into training camp see if we can get some clips and stuff for y'all again like always 
But like I always say, thank you to everybody who listened to this episode of the Next Gen Podcast here on the Bluff City Media Podcast Network. For my co-host, Alex Winton, I'm Bryson Wright, and we'll see y'all next week with everything from Grizzlies Media Day.